بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته to those who are seated here also and to those who are listening online uh, I want to welcome you to our session on refinement of the soul in times of crisis we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has uh, uh, tested us with uh, the whatever situation that we are in right now and reality or something that is uh, unprecedented others have uh, the ummah of before have also faced these trials and tribulations so in these times what should our guidelines be what should we do many ulama have written on these things just the other day I was checking um, a whole list of maybe 20 books in Arabic written in regards to simply the plague and some of these books were four or five hundred pages so again uh, the ummah has faced these type of crises and uh, you know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given glad tidings for these people similarly Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam has spoken about those in trials and tribulations which inshallah in these sessions which will hold uh, hopefully uh, every uh, this, throughout the week week inshallah every weekday inshallah inshallah we'll start with some tilawat of the quran for the barakah so allah ta'ala can grant us his rahmah his mercy his barakah and blessings and shroud us with his forgive, forgiveness and these type of gatherings allah subhanahu wa ta'ala favors these type of gatherings and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends his angels and the angels they stack up together to the arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ask for Allah's forgiveness and Allah, Allah ta'ala takes pride in the uh, the people of these type of gatherings you know uh, boasting to the angels that these are the very same creation that you said would wreak havoc and cause corruption but they're remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and those <laughs> بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ألف لام ذلك الكتاب لا ريب فيه هدى للمتقين الذين يؤمنون بالغيب ويقيمون الصلاة ومما رزقناهم ينفقون والذين يؤمنون بما أنزل إليك وما أنزل من قبلك وبالآخرة هم يوقنون أولئك على هدى من ربهم وأولئك هم المفلحون إن الذين كفروا سواء عليهم أأنذرتهم أم لم تنذرهم لا يؤمنون ختم الله على قلوبهم وعلى سمعهم وعلى أبصارهم غشاوة ولهم عذاب عظيم ومن الناس من يقول آمنا بالله وباليوم الآخر وما هم بمؤمنين يخادعون الله والذين آمنوا وما يخدعون إلا أنف 
أنفسهم وما يشعرون في قلوبهم مرض فزادهم الله مرضا ولهم عذاب أليم بما كانوا يكذبون وإذا قيل لهم لا تفسدوا في الأرض قالوا إنما نحن مصلحون ألا إنهم هم المفسدون ولكن لا يشعرون وإذا قيل لهم آمنوا كما آمن السفا آمن السقالوا آمن الناس قالوا وإذا قيل لهم آمنوا كما آمن الناس قالوا أنؤمن كما آمن السفهاء ألا إنهم هم السفهاء ولكن لا يعلمون وَإِذَا لَقُوا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا قَالُوا آمَنَّا وَإِذَا خَلَوْا إِلَى شَيَاطِينِهِمْ قَالُوا إِنَّا مَعَكُمْ إِنَّمَا نَحْنُ مُسْتَهْزِئُونَ الله يستهزئ Jazakum Allah khair, Brother Sa'id, for rendering us that beautiful recitation. And just as a note, we'd like to say that uh, the Qur'an is to be recited by everyone. It's not for the elite, for the imams, for the hafiz, and for those leading your taraweeh, or for the students at madrasa. The Qur'an is for everyone. The Qur'an is for everyone. So everyone should take a lesson from this. And the student that recited before you, he's not a hafiz or a alim or an imam, or anything like that. He's a simple college student. But Allah Ta'ala gave him the tawfiq to study the Qur'an. So wherever you can find a teacher, uh, you should make a note of uh, giving some time, not some time, a lot of your time to the Qur'an, especially in these trying times. We should shift our focus, shift our goal towards making our ultimate, or, or understanding our ultimate purpose, our ultimate objective, which is meeting Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, and this is not something for these times only, it's for all times. But sometimes Allah Ta'ala, He uh, brings back our focus to what's important uh, by trying us in, in, you know, through different methods. That's all this is. And uh, if Allah Ta'ala, you know, allows us to meet Him quickly, Alhamdulillah. And if Allah Ta'ala does not, then, uh, you know, this is just, uh, again, Allah Ta'ala says in the Qur'an, لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْجِعُونَ So that they may return to Him. Allah Ta'ala tries the people so they may return to Him. So they make make inabat and, and, and turn towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's the ultimate purpose of our life also. And sometimes when we forget, Allah ta'ala gives us these reminders. That's all this is. So we're not going to the tafsir of what was recited, but simply in a short summary form, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts with Surah Fatiha, which the tafsir would be ex, you know extensive if we were to do. Maybe in another session, Allah ta'ala will allow us and we'll give uh, more details. Uh, but the Surah Fatiha is basically the opening dua of the Qur'an and we, where we uh, praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we uh, acknowledge Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be the Lord of the universe and using His attributes of being the most merciful, the most gracious. We implore to Allah ta'ala that, uh, O oh Allah, we worship only you and none else. And only from you we seek help. Therefore, guide us to the straight path, the path of those whom you favored and not those whom you are angry with or are misguided. So it's a dua. It's the ultimate dua. And it's, the dua, it's a dua that uh, we should uh, use over and over again now also. One of the mashayikh have mentioned that uh, every morning in these times, every morning we should recite Surah Fatiha either 12 times or 20 times or even 40 times and blow into water. And that should be the first water we should drink in the morning. So these are prescriptions, not that necessarily it's sunnah, but because Surah Fatiha is a shifa, this is one of the solutions one of the mashayikh had given. There are other du'as as well. Maybe another time we'll go over the du'as. Mufid Taqir Uthmani, Damat Barakatum, has also given us a, a list of some, some du'as to recite as well. Afterwards, Surah Baqarah was recited wherein we uh, 
Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has you know he's mentioned that the Quran is the guide for those who are righteous who believe in the unseen establish their salah and spend in the path of Allah and they are those who believe in that which has been revealed uh, and they believe in the akhirah and they, they are the people on guidance and uh, on the opposite end you have the disbelievers who whether you warn or don't warn they don't believe and from here we can take a lesson that our job is to believe to establish our a'mal and to when we spend we spend for Allah's sake and we believe in everything Allah has revealed and we believe in the afterlife this is the these are the signs of a mu'min and a believer on the opposite end you have those who disbelieve and they range from different categories Allah Ta'ala here speaks about those who are munafiq or hypocrites they say that we believe in Allah last day but in Allah and the last day but in reality they don't really believe and they try to deceive Allah and his messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam but reality is they're only deceiving themselves so and then they uh, start putting blame onto the believers saying that you know should we believe like these fools believe etc uh, etc et so ultimately we have to be careful at the, that at these times we don't become hypocrites to ourselves that basically we say we believe in Allah and his rasul we believe in Allah's promise we're ready to meet Allah or you know we believe and understand our ultimate purpose to be Allah and his mess- Allah ta'ala and the akhirah but then our actions show otherwise our actions show otherwise that when we are faced with these problems we start referring to other things the whole day we're sitting on the news listening to what's going to happen we take ultimate precaution make sure we we buy our, our, our you know our rice and our uh, you know our dal and toilet papers and, and all these so we're that's fine precautionary measures are fine but ultimately did we take precautionary measures for what the, our, per, our ultimate purpose and objective was that's something to ask ourselves right we're taking precaution from the sickness but what's the you know what's our attitude towards this type of sickness or whatever is happening and what is our ultimate purpose and objective of life in life so that's something to think about what if khasta i mean allah knows best whatever will happen will happen but what if we were to go is that a possibility we even considered and if we did then did we prepare for what's actually to come the afterlife some of us, alhamdulillah, we have. And if we have, alhamdulillah, if we're doing so, alhamdulillah. But many of us may not, may not been, have been doing that all our lives. This is the time where Allah Ta'ala is saying, listen, I'm telling you ahead of time that in two months, you're going to come to see me. <laughs> you're going to come, meet me. Are you ready? If you're not, then what are you doing? If you're still going about your worldly life, then what did you get out of this? So let us not become in, Shawaliullah rahmatullah says, munafiq of amal. There are two types of nifaq. Hypocrisy. One is nifaq of iman. When you're a hypocrite in your faith, that's a, that, that per, such a person is not a Muslim. If you're a hypocrite in your faith, you say you believe but you don't believe. Like the Quran is mentioned, such a hypocrite is not a Muslim. Then you have a second category, Shawaliullah writes, that a person could be a munafiq in his actions, in his amal. In other words, when a person is lazy for salah, when a person, you know, when he prays salah, he feels nothing or he just he feels like it's a burden. Or when he hesitates before giving zakat thinking, man, I'm going to lose money. Or when he goes into a business where it's haram, you know, not considering the fact that my intake, uh, you know, and my source of income would not be permitted. Uh, he thinks to himself, Allah will forgive, <laughs> you know, these type of things. So such a person is also munafiq, but munafiq in his actions that doesn't deem him a kafir, a non-Muslim. But it deems him extremely weak in his faith. So for this, inshallah, we want to bring back our the desire for a person uh, of his ultimate objective and, and, and ultimate, uh, you know, maqsad, his objective in life. Bring him back to the desire of meeting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, desire of the akhirah. And for this, alhamdulillah, many ulama have written books in the past. Many, many ulama, when we decided that we want to read one of those books. So this will be a reading session, inshallah. And we are open to anyone having questions, inshallah. After each chapter, we will, uh, if you have any questions. And this is more for the refinement of refinement of one's soul. 
the first work that I do want to go over, inshallah. Uh, again, this will be continuous. We firstly we want to should have mentioned this earlier, but we are grateful to the Youth Act Group of Ozon Park of Masjid Al Aman, who, mashallah, uh, who who they they also you know request us for something like this, and they're very active in this dini in the dini different dini efforts. May Allah Taala accept it from them. May Allah Taala accept it from all of us. May Allah Taala make it a means of our salvation in the akhirah. May Allah Taala make these efforts a means of Allah Taala's pleasure, and such that when we meet Allah Taala by these efforts, Allah is pleased with us. Amin. So the first work that we want to go over, again, this will be a reading session, is a work that I would not give you the title of. Some of you have been exposed to the work, you know the work, you have the book at home, but just to keep the interest, we we don't want to mention the title or the author. If you have it, alhamdulillah. If you don't have it, we want you to follow these sessions so you can maximum you can benefit to your maximum capability. Insha'Allah, Subhanahu wa Taala. Definitely, we would um, recommend you to take some notes. So this will help you also. Insha'Allah. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillah, الذي بشر المؤمنين برضائه وسلى المشتاقين بوعد لقائه والصلاة والسلام على محمد الحبيب المحبوب الذي هو وصلة بين الرب والمربوب وعلى آله وأصحابه الفائزين بالمطلب بالمطلب الأقصى والمسند الأسنى. The author writes in the introduction. He says approximately three years ago, a severe plague spread in the Muzaffarnagar district. Also, the severity of the plague remained for some time. Our little town, Tanabowan, which is also part of the Muzaffarnagar district, was also affected by the plague. Due to the plague being severe and widespread, people were in distress. Some left their settlements and ran away. Some were preparing to run away. Some were perturbed, frightened and terrified. In short, there existed an astonishing situation. Since the Muqaddas Islami Sharia, this means the noble, honorable, uh, the pure, Islamic Sharia, Islamic law, has taken responsibility of treating all spiritual difficulties and inner sicknesses, and these hardships had come about as a result of possessing little patience. So this is very important, the point he makes that one of the problems, one of the problems that we have is less patience. So that's something to note down. Similarly, having weak reliance on Allah, this is also another point. Weak patience and tawakkul, lack of tawakkul, reliance on Allah Ta'ala. Meaning not being content and satisfied with the commands of the Almighty. And the third problem he says, and not possessing yaqeen, confidence and trust. So three problems he's pointing out. Number one, not having patience, sabr. Number two, not having tawakkul, in other words, ultimate reliance on Allah Ta'ala. And number three, not having yaqeen, confidence and trust in Allah. So these were the three problems that he was seeing. The basic cause of all this is solely a strong desire <clears throat> and inclination towards the dunya. What is the cause? He goes, these are the problems. What is the cause? Very important. He hits, you know, what do you say? Uh, he, right, he nips it in the bud, right? That's what you say? In other words, he... He basically gives you the problems and then he gives you the cause of the problems. What is the cause? This is the ultimate cause. He says it's a strong desire and inclination to the dunya, material world. Our desire and inclination for the dunya. And you'll notice throughout the rest of the remaining work, he'll talk about how because of dunya we're so inclined towards these, uh, we have all these problems. He says, all know that the cure for an illness is to remove its cause. So if you have these sicknesses, then you have to remove the cause. If you have the sicknesses of, you know what, I'm not being patient, I'm worried about what's going to happen. I can't have, I don't really have, I, I want to have tawakkul and re reliance on Allah, but you know, what am I supposed to do? I'm, I'm worried. Similarly, uh, you don't have yaqeen and confidence like, you know, I'm not sure, you know, the dua says this, but I'm not sure if it's true. Or I don't know what's going to happen if I... Uh, these, is, see this, these are the sicknesses. What's the cause? Love of dunya. Love of dunya. So he says, everyone knows that the cure for any illness is to remove its cause. 
So if you want to fix yourself with these problems of not having yaqeen, tawakkul, and uh, sabr, then you have to remove the cause. Then cause is what? Hubbud dunya. Love of dunya. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Hubbud dunya ra'su kulli khati'ah. The love of dunya is the root of all sin. The love of dunya is the root of all sin. Brothers and elders and sisters also, we need to take point of this. We think that this letting go of the dunya and detachment of dunya is something that is for the sages. For some Allah's wali hiding in some cave making dhikr. We think for the, when we get old, I'm going to start making tasbih in the masjid and I'm going to sit there all day. Or, you know, it's for the grandmother who has nothing else left to do besides lay down in bed and make tasbih all day. I'm busy. I got my work. I got my family. I got my job, my school, my this and my that. So Nabi Wasallam didn't specify any person. This is in general. This love of dunya is a sickness that we all have. And it is the cause of all sin. The love of dunya is the root of all sin. We need to engrave that in our minds that this is a sickness that will make me commit all the sin. And if you really think about it, think deep. Whatever we do, all sins that we commit goes back to us because I want more. I want this in my life. I want that ease. I want this comfort. I want this, uh, you know, everything has to revolve around me, me, me and what I get in this world. But the moment we let that go, then if I get something, Alhamdulillah. If I don't get it, Alhamdulillah. Whether I'm driving, driving a Beamer or a Dodge, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter. Because my job, the, the only, um, uh, what do you call this? The, the only function is I need the car f- to take me from one p- point A to point B. That's all I need. You get it? I don't, it doesn't matter if I have a, 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 a Note 8 or, or, or a simple flip phone. Why? Because the, my only objective is to make a call and contact someone and tell someone something. That's it. it de- if I get it, alhamdulillah. If I got a nice car, got a nice phone, no problem. There's nothing wrong with that. But my heart is not attached to that. I don't make crazy efforts in trying to achieve it. Making my life's objective, you know what? I'm going to get a uh, $55,000 BMW and pay it off in the next 15, 20 years. I'm going gonna, uh, gonna to buy a $5 million mansion and take my, the rest of my life trying to pay it off. So you made your whole life's efforts, you put your whole life effort behind something of dunya, which you may not even get, you might die tomorrow. So we have to understand life's objective and purpose. And it is life's objective and purpose, I'm going to tell you guys to write this in gold right now, is Allah. Life's objective and purpose is Allah. That's a greater purpose than saying meeting Allah, love of Allah, pleasure of Allah. It's life's ultimate goal is and, and purpose is Allah, right? Once we get that, once we get that uh, purpose and objective right, then everything, all our decisions will be based on that purpose and objective. You guys understand? Okay, so Rasul says, and he writes this: the love of dunya is the root of all sin. And then he writes another statement of Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He writes, excessively remember the eraser of all pleasures, the nullifier of all pleasures. What is that? Anyone? Can anyone tell? Death. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa says, Continuously remember that which breaks and nullifies all desires. What is that? Al-maut. Death. And then he writes, authorized, this is the only secret of treating this sickness. What's the sickness? No. The sickness is not having patience, not having tawakkul, and not having yaqeen. What's the cause of it? Love of dunya. And how do you destroy that cause? Remembering that which destroys all desires, which is what? Death. This is why the ulama and the Awliya of the past And this is not Restricted to them Unfortunately We ourselves As weak Muslims Have restricted Piety and righteousness To a few selected individuals Thinking you know They're the wali And I have to go to them And ask for dua Why can't you make your own dua also Why can't you become the wali One time I had taken my son 
on a trip, like a camping trip with some of the ulama that were there. And I went to see, I went uh, to show him. I went to show him to one of the pious and righteous people. So, uh, the the righteous person, the righteous scholar, actually, he told me that he asked me, "What do you?" He asked my son, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" So he's not answering. So I'm like, "Tell him you want to be a hafiz and tell hafiz al Quran." You said that to me before, so he's not saying anything. So he said something very interesting. I want everyone to take note of this. He said, "How about this? Rather, ask him or tell him that." To make his life's goal to be, become a wali of Allah. A wali of Allah. So that just took me by surprise. I'm like, I never, we never, <laughs> I've never thought of that before. You know, and a wali could be a hafiz, maybe he won't be a hafiz. He may be going to school or he may, may be going to madrasa. But the reality is, wherever you are, whatever you do, whatever you become, ultimately you're supposed to try to become a friend of Allah. Wali of Allah means friend of Allah. And that's what it, that's what it means that. What the success of a, you know of a believer is when he becomes Allah's friend, who becomes close to Allah. Not necessarily a person becoming hafiz, though that is something very great, right? Meritorious. But we know we sometimes we see people who may be in the field of deen, but they have no deen. Unfortunately, we have we see that too. And sometimes we see a person not in the field of deen, but they have deen. So in the same in the same manner, this is something we should. Uh, Endeavor to be to become pious Muslims, inshallah. Allah give us tawfiq. So these two hadith are very, they're very, you know, important. You can, you can write this in gold, right? The first one is the love of dunya is the root of all sin, and sec second is excessively remember that which nullifies all pleasures, meaning death. All right. So the more we, the ulama in the past used to make muraqaba, they used to contemplate over, meditate over death. They would sit quietly and think of, you know, the grave, and the darkness of the grave and the, the small, you know, the size of the grave, telling themselves that ultimately that's where I belong, that's where I'm going to go. I, 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 I love to make money to get the most beautiful, uh, you know, showcased room or the nice kitchen and nice, you know, living room with beautiful furniture and the curtains have to be embroidery with, uh, you know, from... Uh, from imported from some other country, Turkey, and the carpet has to be Turkish too, and and it's you know we worry about how I'm going to design my house. The question, actual question, is how am I designing my designing my real house where I'm going to stay for a couple of hundred, maybe a couple of thousand years? That grave, how am I designing that grave? All right. So um, in between, we're going to get a lot of extra points also, inshallah. Uh, one, I'd like to say. Hack, you know they say life hack. We say qabr hack. When qabr hack is Nabi Sallallahu gave us this hack. It's very simple, and Alhamdulillah I do it every day. May Allah give me the tawfiq to continue and accept it from me. I want you guys to all start. It seriously, is a qabr hack. Let me just tell you a story behind it, and some of you have heard the story. Some people, some Sahaba passed by Uthman radiAllahu anhu, and they would see him crying by the grave, excessively. So one person asked, how come you, when it comes to the grave, you cry so much more than when you would cry when it comes to other things? So Uthman radiallahu anhu said, if you are protected in the grave, and this is the first stage of the afterlife, there are many stages. If you are protected in the grave, then Allah Ta'ala will make it easier for the rest of the, rest of the, the, um, the, for the rest of your journey in the, in the afterlife. And one easy way out is to recite Surah Mulk. Every night. So recite Surah Mulk every night. Five to seven minutes. Five to seven minutes. If you recite Surah Mulk every night, inshallah, Allah Ta'ala will protect you from the punishment of the grave. This is mentioned in Sahih Hadith. We'll all try to do that, inshallah. Okay. So contemplate over death. The second hadith. The first hadith, we, what we learn from that is start disliking dunya. Start losing your interest for dunya. And Increase your interest for the akhirah. And from the second hadith we learn, start contemplating death. Contemplating death and what's after death. He writes after that, 
Taking all these aspects into consideration and in accordance with this principle, while paying attention to the reformation of the general public, I began mentioning in my discourses and lectures the favors, joys, and comforts of the hereafter, and creating a strong desire for the hereafter, and to abstain from the pleasures of the dunya. Also, the attaining of all these favors and pleasures being dependent on death, moat. For this reason, I mentioned death being a blessing and a favor. So death is what? A blessing and a favor. When describing these favors of the hereafter, the qabr, qiyamah, jannah, and the glad tidings for mu'min was mentioned as well. In the same series, especially regarding every type of difficulty, virtues, reward, nearness to Allah, promise of acceptance, on which are based the glad tidings and good news of the favors and blessings of the hereafter were now and then mentioned in lectures and discourses. As a clear result, an immediate, res uh, uh, an immediate results were witnessed. As a result, I'm sorry, clear and immediate results were witnessed, and the courage and confidence of the public set in. Signs of happiness and contentment began to manifest themselves. All distress and difficulties turned into contentment. More so, in some way, a few people began to look forward to death. Subhanallah. When these subjects proved so beneficial for these people, it came to mind that for many years now and then in many areas of India, plague kept, uh, keeps on spreading and is not known till when such a situation will remain. Whenever plague spreads, the people become engulfed in the same type of distress, fear and difficulties, and as a result, surely lost and harm regarding the hereafter is experienced. Even during normal times at the bereavement of a dear and beloved one, this same situation is experienced. So look, it could happen to any one of us. Any one of us. The question is, are we ready? Do we have that sabr and patience? Do we have that tawakkul and contentment? Alright? And that yaqeen, inshallah, benefit them as well. So an intention was made to collect subjects pertaining to the hereafter. He writes, since these subjects were delivered during lectures and discourses at various places, it wasn't possible to write it with the same detail. So it was intended that these types of ahadith be chosen from a book. So this was, this was a very nice book uh, written by a grand scholar of his time, uh, Imam Jalaluddin Suyuti. Imam Jalaluddin Suyuti was a Shafi'i scholar who was uh, a polymath. He'd written on almost every single subject and topic. He wrote a book called Sharh al-Sudur. Sharh al-Sudur. So that ultimately the content of this book is from Sharh al-Sudur. Alright? By Imam Jalaluddin Suyuti. And so I'm just going to move forward and basically he says something more or less to the effect that these, uh, these the hadith that are mentioned in this book are mainly from, from that book. It's a, it, it's a summary of that book. So ultimately he hasn't put all the uh, references saying that ultimately you could just refer to that book, but uh, the the uh, the publishers afterwards did put some of the references. So we will do some of the references, but we know ultimately this is a uh, you can say a summary of Sharh al-Sudur or taken from Sharh al-Sudur. Then he writes. May Allah Ta'ala Most High accept this book with the hope and for the purpose and aim that it was compiled. Make it a source for the desire of the hereafter and with the desire give the tawfiq meaning divine guidance to prepare for the hereafter and with tawfiq grant acceptance and nearness to him. Ameen. So inshallah now we will start. That was the introduction. If anyone has any questions you can ask now inshallah before we start. I have a yes. Uh -huh. So, how do you know when someone is a wali of Allah? Very, very nice, very important question. How do you know when someone is a wali of Allah? So, a wali of Allah is a friend of Allah, someone that is close to Allah. And it is a long discussion, but just to summarize, in one short sentence, when you refrain from sins, then you are wali of Allah. That's a short, simple answer that many of our ulama have given. When you refrain from sins, you are wali of Allah. And you know something? Right now, right now, as of temporary, right now, us sitting here or those who are listening, doing nothing else, is very easy for you to be wali of Allah. All you have to do is sincerely from the heart make tawbah, repent to Allah Ta'ala, Oh Allah, whatever sins I've committed, big or small, knowingly, unknowingly, openly and hidden, Ya Allah, forgive me of all these sins and give me the tawfiq, the, 
the ability, the divine ability to now refrain from such sins. I promise not to do these committee sins again. And whatever I owe, I promise to make it up and give me the tawfiq inshallah. At that moment, sincerely, when you make tawbah and repent, there's a difference between istighfar and tawbah, which we won't go into. But simply istighfar means I seek your forgiveness. And tawbah means after seeking forgiveness, Ya Allah, I promise not to do it again. So that's ultimate tawbah. It's, it's a higher form of istighfar. Not just seeking forgiveness, but promising Allah not to ever do it again. And you also try to make up uh, whatever you whatever uh, wrong you've uh, done to anyone or to, in, for the sake of Allah or in, in the rights of Allah. So once you made tawbah ultimately, right, at that point in time you're a wali of Allah. That state will break again when you start committing sin again. So at this point you guys can all be walis of Allah. If you made sincere tawbah, sincere tawbah right now, since it takes a few seconds. And right now you'd be a wali. If you die at this point, you'd be dying as a wali. So becoming a wali is not hard. It's very simple, very easy. It's just now remaining in that state. We have to keep on trying. That's what it is. Allah looks at how much you try. He doesn't look at did you reach the highest state. He looks at did you try. That's what He looks at. Any other questions? Allah, you know one beautiful ayat in the Quran. Allah Ta'ala says, أَلَا إِنَّ اللَّهِ لَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَهُمْ يَحْزَنُونَ Listen carefully. Allah says, Allah, listen carefully. Verily the awliya of Allah, the friends of Allah, they don't have any fear nor do they grieve. Because whatever is coming to them, they're ready. They're like, Ya Allah, I'm happy. I'm, I'm finally going to meet you. <laughs> so they have no worries. They have no worries. So when a person, when you see a person in this state uh, where he's not really worried, that's a sign that this is probably a friend of Allah. Any other questions? Okay. Chapter 1. The reward for illness and hardships. So when a person is sick, Allah rewards the person. We have to mentally tell ourselves this. These, this is the state. These are the statements of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and we have to firmly believe in these statements. It doesn't matter what who says, or whatever someone else believes. I have to believe that the sickness that I have, I'm being rewarded for it. The first hadith, and we will read the Arabic simply for the barakah and blessings, because these are very noble words of Rasulullah. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Whenever we mention the word of Rasul, whenever we mention the word Rasulullah, everyone should say Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So we will we will uh, go over the word the wordings. We will recite the wordings. So we take the barakah and blessings of his words, beloved words, Mubarak and his blessed words. An Abi Sa'id al Khudri radiyallahu taala anhu an Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam قال ما يصيب المسلم من نصب ولا وصب ولا هم ولا حزن ولا أذن ولا غم حتى الشوكة يشاكها إلا كفر الله بها من خطاياه متفق عليه When we say متفق عليه it means Bukhari and Muslim Sharif Both Bukhari and Muslim narrate on the authority of Anas رضي الله عنه that Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم said Any Muslim who experiences any nasab, any hardship, and wasab, discomfort, ham, hazan, and gham are very similar. And then you have a third word in the middle, adhan. In other words, any worry, sorrow, grief, or distress. Then he says, hatta shauka, to the extent that even if it may, if it may be a thorn that pricks him, yushakuha, whenever a Muslim is afflicted with any any type of difficulty, any type of hardship, any type of grief, worry, sorrow, any of that, these type of things, what happens? Allah Ta'ala makes it atonement for his sins. SubhanAllah. Makes it a means of forgiveness for his sins. So when he... Did, I'm going to add something to this that comes from another hadith. He should have yaqeen in this. When he has yaqeen in this, belief in this, and when he has hope of reward... In this, Allah gives him. Like for example, in the hadith that's mentioned before Ramadan, مَنْ قَامَ إِيمَانًا وَاحْتِسَابًا غُفِرَ لَهُ مَا تَقَدَّمَ مِنْ ذَنْبِ You guys heard this before in the Taraweeh. For the Salawat al-Taraweeh, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, the one who stands in the night, in other words, the Qiyam al-Layl or Salat al-Taraweeh, 
imanan, having full belief in Allah, ihtisaban, and having full hope in Allah's rewards, Allah will forgive all his sins. So the same two conditions apply here, that when a Muslim goes through difficulty or hardship, any type of grief, distress, he has to believe in Allah fully. In other words, Ya Allah, you put me through this. Right? And you appointed this sickness or hardship for me. Second, he has to have hope and reward that, Ya Allah, I know that you mentioned, your Nabi wasallam mentioned that I would be rewarded for this. My sins would be forgiven for this and I believe in it fully. When that happens, then Allah Ta'ala makes this, you might just get a hand pain. You got some arthritis or you got a little bit of back pain or you got a severe cold or you got a flu or your arms are hurting or your neck is hurting, you slept wrong. It's not about you sleeping wrong. It's about Allah wanting to forgive your sins. It's not about you didn't know how to play basketball even though you... <laughs> the guy what uh, he... What do you call that? Crossing. He crossed he crossed you and then you fell. It's not about he crossed you and you fell. It's about Allah wanted you to, to forgive your sins. But you have to have those conditions. Number one, believe that Allah destined this for you, appointed this for you. Number two, believe that whatever pain you go through as a believer and you have sabr, patience, that's okay. My, my, my ankles got... Sprained because Allah wanted it to happen. Inshallah, Allah will forgive my sins because I'm I'm a believer. I have patience in whatever I'm going through, and I have hope in Allah Taala. But if on the other end, you'll be like, man, why this happened to me for? Why this have to happen to me for? Or you're like, man, you're just like it's paining so much, and you're bothering this person and that person, and it's like, man, I gotta go to the doctor, and you know, why is all this happening? And no patience, or you start cursing and yelling and screaming, and like, yo, why do you have to pro- cross over me? You know, why do you have to do that for? Right? Or you're like, man, you know, this is just it's hurting so much and this shouldn't have happened. Then that goes against the whole, all those points that we mentioned about having true faith, hope and reward and being patient. When you have those, then Allah will make it a means of your sins being forgiven. This is why I'm sure the author will bring this hadith later, but it just comes to mind over and over again. And it's bothering me. I have to give, the, give you the hadith. It's a beautiful hadith that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says that, that uh, uh, when... The matter of a believer is so amazing, so astounding that whenever he gets afflicted with some difficulty, he's patient, Allah rewards him. And if he is given some affluence and comfort, then he's grateful to Allah and Allah, Allah Ta'ala, uh, uh, you know, Allah has mercy on him. In other words, whichever state a believer is in, he has his hope in Allah, his reliance on Allah, his tawakkul on Allah, his patience is to Allah, Allah gives reward. In other words, whatever state a believer is in, no problem, no worries, no grief, no concerns. We have to bring our lives on that state. Whatever happens to me, bas Allah, Allah wanted to happen. I tried my best to do the right thing. This happened, it's okay. Allah Ta'ala destined to happen. Obviously, we have to keep trying to do our best. We can't just sit there home and saying whatever Allah wants to bring to me, it's going to happen. And You know, we have to make an effort. Anyway, the next hadith. An Jabirin radiallahu ta'ala anhu qal, قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لأم سائب لا تسبي لا تسبي الحمى فإنها تذهب الخطايا وفإنها تذهب خطايا بني آدم كما يذهب الكير خبث الحديد رواه مسلم جابر رضي الله عنه reports that رسول صلى الله عليه وسلم said to one of the Sahabi Umm Sa'ib رضي الله عنها she must have had a fever so he said don't curse the fever why do I have to have a fever? Why do I have to have a cold? You know? Why does it have to happen to me? Sometimes we say these things. Sometimes we say words of kufr, our family members. We say things like, Allah couldn't find someone else. So these are words of kufr. We have to repeat the kalima if we say these type of things. Or why did Allah have to do this for, to me for? Whatever Allah did, it was for a good reason. If we bear patiently and have faith in Allah, and tawakkul and sabr and iman and yaqeen, Allah will fully reward us for that. So anyway, why did I? Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi asked and told her, "Don't curse the fever because it removes the sin of Bani Adam. It removes the sins of Bani Adam, the children of Adam, in the same manner that a furnace removes rust from iron. Subhanallah. You put a rusty iron piece in the furnace. What happens? Completely, you know, shines it out. Right? It melts it away. So the same way, we're full of sin. When you get that headache. And every time you get that headache, every time you get that fever, you have to tell yourself, obviously don't be an idiot to try to now what? Get a fever now because it says that. Allah will find ways to forgive your sins, but it doesn't mean now you try to 
you know, you, you decide you're going to go walk half naked in front of the, in, in, in the rain and get a cold, you know, somehow. Or go wait by the AC and, you know, wet yourself, take a shower and go wait by the, You don't make yourself get sick. Allah will arrange whatever, for whoever he decides and needs to. That's why whenever, and I try my best to do this, whenever I get, get sick, I say, Alhamdulillah, I'm so happy. Because I, I have so much sins and these sins are being forgiven. When you have that, then you have contentment in life also. This, you know, in, in Islam, our prescription for depression and all these things is the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala, is the remembrance of Allah. So if you're ultimately, you know, very sick, you're, you're just making, you, for that is a removal of your sins because now you're referring back to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. It's nothing else more. So there's khayr in your sickness also. There's goodness in your sickness as well. Next hadith عن أنس رضي الله عنه قال سمعت النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول قال الله سبحانه وتعالى إذا ابتليت عبدي بحبيبتيه ثم صبر عوضته منهما الجنة يريد عينيه رواه البخاري In a hadith of Bukhari from Anas رضي الله عنه He says I heard Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم say When I afflict my slave with his most two beloved, with his two most beloved possessions when I afflict my slave with his two most beloved possessions and he exercises patience, I grant him Jannah. SubhanAllah. In lieu of it, I grant him Jannah. And the commentators mention the two beloved possessions of, Nabi, uh, uh, of, of a person, of a servant, is his eyes. His eyes. Because these, by means of his eyes, it's... It's the greatest possession a human being has. Without eyes, imagine a person is blind to everything. He doesn't, can't see, doesn't know, can't experience life to a great extent. Of course, everything is a blessing, but the eyes are the greatest ones. So in other words, when I take his sight away, sight away, when I take his eyes away, when he's not able to see impaired vision, then Allah says, in lieu of that, I give him Jannah, subhanAllah. In other words, same conditions. He has to have proper iman in Allah, he has to have yaqeen and conviction in the reward Allah holds for him and he has to be patient, not complain about it. In the next hadith, an Anasin radiallahu ta'ala anhu anna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqal Iza abtuliya al-Muslimu bibala'in fi jasadihi qila lil-malak uktub lahu saliha amalihi alladhi kana ya'mal fa in shafahu ghasalahu wa tahharahu وَإِنْ قَبَضَهُ غَفَرَ لَهُ وَرَحِمَهُ رَوَاهُ فِي شَرْحِ السُّنَّةِ All these are hadith also in Mishkat as well. So Sharh al-Sunnah is of Imam Baghawi. And in there you have the narration of Anas radiallahu anhu who reports that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said If a Muslim is afflicted with a bodily affliction, a sickness, some sickness in his body, anything, then it is said to an angel who records, his, who records his deeds, continue recording the pious deeds he committed in his state of good health. SubhanAllah. Continue. In other words, you got sick and you're just like done. You're like in bed and you can't get up. And generally, before that, you would go to the masjid. You would make your sunnah. You'd make your fard. You'd read your Quran tilaw every day. You'd make dhikr every day. You'd make durood sharif every day. You did all of these things. But now you can barely get up. You just somehow manage your fard. Somehow you just manage your fard. The, Allah writes, tells the angel, write all those deeds that he used to write, do when he was in, in a good state, write that for him even now too. Subhanallah. <clears throat> and then he continues saying the hadith, Allah Ta'ala afflicts him with some calamity in his body. If Allah okay. If Allah afflicts him with some calamity in his body or to his wealth or children, then grants him sabr patience until he reaches that status which has been determined for him. Uh, I, I, I apologize. He says no. So this that that's the, actually the next hadith. That if Allah grants him recuperation, he will cleanse him. If he's, uh, if, he's, if he's gone healthy again, alhamdulillah, Allah cleans him of his sins. Right? And if Allah grants him death, he will forgive and have mercy on him. Subhanallah. So from that sickness, if he gets better, alhamdulillah. But if he's granted death, 
then because of the because again he has to have proper iman in Allah that Allah decreed this for me and I'm pleased with it. Whatever Allah has decreed for me, I am pleased with it. This in in in, in terms of Sharia is called Rida bil qada. Remember this term. Rida bil qada. In other words, when one is pleased with destiny or fate or whatever has been written for him. So his iman has to be right, that he has to be pleased with what Allah has uh, you know, uh, uh, set for him. Number two, his uh, yaqeen, conviction must be on Allah Ta'ala and tawakkul as well. That whatever, uh, uh, that Allah is by means of this is forgiving my sins. And number three, patience. Shouldn't complain about it. Does it mean you can't cry? In pain, or you can't cry in grief, or you can't complain at all. No, it doesn't mean that actually. We should remember the story of Yusuf alayhi salam. When the brothers came to the father and they, you know, lied about what they did, and then he was crying and grieving. They said, Why do you do this for? He said, Listen, inni ashku wa huzni Allah. I'm complaining of my grief, of my pain to Allah, not to you. You can't do anything about it, but to Allah I can complain. So if you want to complain, <laughs> you can complain to Allah. Don't complain to people. That's why we need to speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Take out time to communicate with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To speak privately with Allah ta'ala. Take out time at night time to speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, I was saying something earlier. So there was a, I remember one time, my father was extremely sick. He couldn't go anywhere. That time on Arshad Madani was here. So he reminded him of this. I completely forgot about it. He said, listen, you pray at home. Don't try to force yourself to come to the masjid. That's what he's trying to do. So he said, in your health, you try to. And right now in your sickness, if you pray at home, you'll get the same reward. So I want to say this, and I'm sure we can extract this from the hadith also, that all those brothers who used to go to the masjid during good times, proper times, healthy times, inshallah, by them performing the salah at home, Allah will give them, grant them the same reward, inshallah. May Allah Ta'ala give us, uh, open our masajid back, insha'Allah. Next hadith, عن محمد بن خالد السلمي عن أبيه عن جده قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إن العبد إذا سبقت له من الله منزلة لم يبلغها بعمله ابتلاه الله في جسده أو في ماله أو في ولده ثم صبره على ذلك حتى يبلغه المنزلة التي سبقت له من الله رواه أحمد وأبو داود Subhanallah, what a beautiful hadith. What a beautiful hadith. Muhammad bin Khalid al-Sulami narrates from his father who narrates from his grandfather radiallahu anhum that Rasulullah said when a servant or slave is to be granted a certain status from Allah which he cannot reach through his own deeds Allah afflicts him with some calamity in his body or his wealth or his children then grants him patience. Until he reaches the status which has been determined, uh, determined or written for him. Subhanallah. This comes in other hadith as well. Allah Ta'ala wants, for example, Abdullah to go to Jannah and Jannatul Firdaus. But he doesn't have so much amal to reach there and he can't make so much amal. His lifespan is so short, he won't be able to. So you know what Allah Ta'ala does? Allah Ta'ala makes him go through some punishment. Not punishment, I'm sorry. Allah Ta'ala makes him go through some type of difficulty. For example, his mother passes away. And that difficulty he faces, that grief that he goes through, that sorrow and, and, and difficulty, Allah, that soars him up because he's patient. Yeah, again, those three conditions. Ya Allah, you did this. And you did it for a good reason. It was written, I accept it. I accept your rada bil qada. I am pleased with what you, what you have ordained. Number two, what's number two? I have yaqeen and tawakkul. Tawakkul, reliance on you, and yaqeen, conviction in your promise that you will grant ultimate jannah to my mother also, and you will grant me reward for my patience, uh, re- reward for my patience as well. And number three, what's number three? No. Patience. Actual patience, sabr, that yeah, I'm not going to complain. If I complain, Ya Allah, please, you help me. You you do this for me. You do that for me. How am I going to do this? Ya Allah, you help me. You complain to Allah. No complaining. Then when these three are... Then what happens? By means of my mother's passing, Allah has granted me Jannah for those as well. Subhanallah. 
Sometimes what happens, a person goes through difficulty and he dies from that difficulty. A sickness or a disease. You know what it was? In reality, Allah Ta'ala wanted his sins to be forgiven or her sins to be forgiven before she met Allah. SubhanAllah. That's what it is. When you tell yourself, and this is reality, hadith. I'm not talking my own stuff. It's hadith. When you tell yourself this, you, you want to get sick. <laughs> you shouldn't ask for sickness though. But when it happens to you, you have no worries. You're happy. You're content. Like, alhamdulillah, whatever happened, alhamdulillah. May Allah give us the understanding of these hadith and uh, give us the tawfiq to implement it in our lives, inshallah. I think we should stop for Adhan. We'll repeat to the Adhan. We don't have to stop the recording. We'll just we'll just wait for Adhan to finish. Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar. Shabbat Allah Akbar. صلات القائمة ماتي محمد الوصيلة الفضيلة وبعث مقام محمد الذي وعدتني لا تخلني عاد The next hadith عن جابر رضي الله تعالى عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يود أهل العافية يوم القيامة حين يعطى أهل البلاء الثواب لو أن جلودهم كانت قرضت في الدنيا بالمقاريض رواه الترمذي In hadith of Tirmidhi from Jabir radiallahu anhu, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa says, when those that are afflicted in the dunya, when they will be given their reward on the day of judgment, the healthy ones, the healthy ones, they'll wish that their skin were cut with scissors in this world. <laughs> Allahu Akbar. In other words, so when they see the reward that they're being, they're being given, they'll be like, man, why didn't we get these sicknesses as well? Why didn't we get afflicted as well? They'll wish for this to happen. So this is similar to the person who uh, comes in a hadith whose du'as were accepted. On the Day of Judgment, they, when they see the reward of those whose du'as were not accepted. In other words, they were accepted, but they weren't uh, manifested in this world. They were saved up for the akhirah. Then be like, man, if only none of my du'as were accepted. Subhanallah. So these are, you know, these actually... These type of ahadith and these advices of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam give us, uh, basically, they soothe us and, and they give us uh, contentment of the heart that whatever we do, whatever deed we do, nothing has gone lost. And finally, with the last hadith, An Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha qalat qalat rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam إِذَا كَثُرَتْ ذُنُوبُ الْعَبْدِ وَلَمْ يَكُنْ لَهُ مَا يُكَفِّرُهَا مِنَ الْعَمَلِ إِبْتَلَاهُ اللَّهُ بِالْحُزْنِ لِيُكَفِّرُهَا عَنْهُ رَوَاهُ أَحْمَدِ in hadith of Ahmed from uh, Muslim Ahmed, uh, from Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, she says that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said, when the sins of the servant or of a slave increases and he doesn't have enough deeds that will atone for it. And again, this is for that servant who becomes righteous. He has, he has so much sins and he just became righteous or he, you know, he's trying to fix himself but he doesn't have so much good deeds that will atone for all his sins. Allah afflicts him with some type of sorrow, with some type of grief, some type of distress. 
you ever get that feeling and like, man, why is this happening? I can't take it anymore. My head is going to blow up. You know, I, I, my parents are bothering me and my sister and my, you know, spouse or my kids or my boss at work and my colleagues are doing this. And why, why is this happening to me? So Allah makes him go through these difficult difficulty, this sorrow or this grief. And he does it so that Allah may attain for the other sins that he, he would not be able to attain by himself. So again, whatever grief he goes to, through, whatever difficulty he goes through, Allah rewards him. So what's the, what's the title of the chapter again? The reward for illness and hardship. So inshallah through these ahadith, we've understood that. And uh, inshallah, we'll take any questions if there are. And uh, inshallah, we'll continue with our session tomorrow around the same time, which is our Maghrib will be 7.15. We'll start around 7.30 to 7.40 inshallah. Any questions? Any questions here from the students here or any questions from online? Anyone from online? Somebody asked a question. Mm -hmm. uh, how much time after difficulty do you have to show your patience? If you get used to it after a couple of days, is that considered being patient or is it just... Oh, it's a very good question. How much... Say, can you... Louder? Yeah. Say it louder. Uh, somebody asked... Somebody asked a question. How much time after a difficulty... Does a person have to show their full patience? If, for example, after a couple of days they get used to it, does that count as being patient? Okay, so though that may count as patience, the best thing is to be patient immediately after the calamity. This is why Nabi says in another hadith, إِنَّمَا الصَّبْرُ عِنْدَ صَدْمَةِ الْأُولَى The real patience, the true patience, is at the very first strike of the calamity. As soon as I got news that my uncle passed, my, my father passed away, for example, at that moment, he said, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, I believe in your decree. You had decreed this. Ya Rabbul Alameen, I know that you will give him the best and you would best for him. Ya Allah, I know that you know you commanded me to have patience and to commanded me to uh, make, it, make dua for him. Similarly, number two, uh, what was number two? The first one is proper iman. Number two is? Um, to have uh, to have full reliance on Allah, ya Allah, you have a better place set for him. Ya, ya Allah, you grant grant uh, me and my family and whoever uh, you grant us reward also for our patience. And number three, to have true patience that Ya Allah, my complaint is only to you, or I will only turn to you. I will not complain to anyone else. At that moment, when when you hear the news of death, that is the best patience. That is a true patience. But definitely, after some time, when a person is patient, they will be rewarded. But real patience is. Immediate, immediately So that's why we have to inculcate these ahadith into our lives right now So when that time comes and it hits you When that hard news hits you At that time you play all these ahadith in your mind Any other questions? No other questions? Okay Okay, how do we stop a bad habit? Again, what's the If we go back to the lesson what the bad habit is the problem What's the cause of the bad habit Love of dunya What does that mean One of the uh, Rather What's the hadith that we did Continue remembering that, that that which breaks What Desire In other words For example I'll give you a clear cut example That unfortunately many of us are You know Many of our students may be uh, Doing uh, Involved in Masturbation why, why does a person masturbate? Because they get that few seconds of pleasure. The reality is, what if you died while doing it? What did that two seconds, what did, how did it help? Or is it worth those few seconds of pleasure, thousands of years in hell? What if I died today and this is the last thing that I did? So again, think of death, think of akhirah. When you do that, like, man, should I even do this? You know, waste my time doing this, whereas I don't know the next minute I could be dead. Is this how I want to be raised up doing the same thing? Because a person who dies in a state, he raises up in that same state. So you have to tell yourself these things. Any other questions? Okay. Okay, so inshallah, um, we will close off for today, inshallah. We will finish up with a small dua, inshallah. الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكوننا من الخاسرين 
ربنا لا تزغ قلوبنا بعد إذ هديتنا وهب لنا من لدنك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب اللهم إنا نعوذ بك اللهم إنا نعوذ بك من البرص والجنون والجذام ومن سيء الأسقام اللهم إنا نعوذ بك من البرص والجنون والجذام ومن سيء الأسقام اللهم إنا نعوذ بك من البرص والجنون والجذام ومن سيء الأسقام بسم الله الذي لا يضره مع اسمه شيء في الأرض ولا في السماء بسم الله الذي لا يضر مع اسمه شيء في الأرض ولا في السماء بسم الله الذي لا يضر مع اسمه شيء في الأرض ولا في السماء ربنا تقبل منا إنك أنت السميع العليم وتب علينا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم يا رب العالمين accept this majlis from us يا رب العالمين accept what has been said of Allah Taala of, of your statements and the statements of our beloved Habib sallallahu alayhi wasallam يا رب العالمين make this a means of our salvation يا رب العالمين give us the tawfiq to act upon what has been said يا رب العالمين give us the true understanding of the methodology of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and to understand that whatever you've Ya, ya Rabbul Alameen written for us That it is for our best Ya Rabbul Alameen And that we are pleased with it, Ya Rabbul Alameen And give us a tawfiq to Have conviction in your reward Ya Rabbul Alameen And give us a tawfiq and ability To have patience upon all trials and tribulations Ya Rabbul Alameen Ya Rabbul Alameen grant us life on Islam And death with Iman Ya Rabbul Alameen Subhana Rabbika Rabbil Izzati Amma Yassifun Wa Salamun Ala Al-Mursaleen Walhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen Alhamdulillah